1: Welcome to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron Kolick and No Ann today. She's out uh, painting her nails and drinking something, I'm sure. Hard liquor. Hard liquor or a winery. Well, it depends. She's in the winery or she's in the beer tasting. I don't know. She's out there drinking somewhere anyways.
2: Uh, so I, uh, do my vac- I do my vacations wrong, don't I? I stood outside of the pub. I looking know, for, I was, looking yeah, for. you were, that's
1: yeah. the problem. You just, you know, I you should mean, be Yeah, That pub's got to have some kind of a haunted story in there. You could be interviewing people. It,
2: it hasn't, actually. Oh, that stinks.
1: I have but, the last, right? I, I, last, The last hour on Ghost Chronicles International, we talked a little bit about uh, an article that uh, Thomas Edison had given to uh, Forbes magazine. And uh, on the article, and you look down, it says, related topics, free psychic test, psychic <laughs> relationship readings, online psychic reading, totally free psychic reading, finding your animal spirit, love attraction spell.
2: Oh, <laughs> oh gosh. my gosh. <laughs> oh, speaking, speaking of uh, animals and spirits, and um, would yes, you be yes. just, would you be surprised to learn that I've come back with yet more clutter for the cabinet of curiosities we call my office? No way. Yo, yes way. I mean, are you surprised? <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm
1: thrilled to find your latest What your latest two, discoveries.
2: Two, two discoveries. Oh, my God, two? Not one, two. They always come in pairs, a bit like when you're in a thrift store.
1: A bit like the, uh, what is it, Double Mint Twins? No. One, two,
2: two, two, Vincent. What? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. ah, well, there we go. Um, I have a friend on on uh, on the island. Um, you have friends
1: everywhere, we, Steve. I know. People just love you.
2: They don't, but I have a friend on the island. <laughs> one, of, one of a one of a, a shrinking number of friends. Okay. Uh, and I've known I've known the chap for over twenty years now, mm-hmm. and he is uh, he has a, a small hobby uh, dealing in antiquities and fossils oh that's cool and um obviously you know he knows my interests and whenever um his paths are cross with something that may be of interest to me he lays it on one side and when i i make my periodic visits um he he gives me the option to um to purchase them and this time around the um i one from him one from that source uh it's a small it's about four inches high by inch and a half wide um carved stone um mm-hmm. from the from the sumerian period represent and it's a carved representation of one of the most feared demons oh i know um and was apparently hacked from from um a tomb or a you don't ask anyway um, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> at some point. Um, and it supposedly represents the goddess Pazuzu. Now, the god, sorry, the god Pazuzu. Now, the god Pazuzu um, is most famous for the representation of him in the, I believe it's the omen. You remember that four-winged demon? That oh, yeah. Appears. Well, that's Pazuzu um, oh. or one of the incarnations of Pazuzu and um it was irresistible so he's he's now joined the collection so he's um, sitting next to
1: the uh the demon doll i, I assume
2: uh, no he's sitting next to the um uh the bronze devil oh okay um just a a few feet away uh is the second item uh this is this is supposedly a haunted item Ooh. Uh, yeah. Now, mm. to look at, it's nothing, nothing much. It's actually, it dates um, back to the First World War it, originally. It's mm. uh, a splinter of um, shell shrapnel from um, an exploding, you know, a shell, shrapnel, um, and has been skillfully made into a paper knife. Or, you know, so you've got the shrapnel handle. And then the shrapnel has been um because it's it's steel has been then fashioned or part of it has been fashioned extended out to make a letter opener a paper knife and it was made in the trenches by a british soldier during first uh, during the first world war Um, and then he brought it home and it was used presumably for opening letters opening mail wow um, now that that's it's not unusual. There are many of them that were brought back, you know, uh, soldiers uh, weren't fighting every day. It's not like the movies. They they had lots of downtime, lots of um, you know, long periods of boredom and many of them fashioned items uh, for their sweethearts, for their families or just simply to make their own lives a little more bearable or perhaps even um, in the case of prisoners and some you know, um, s- soldiers to sell to make a few extra pounds, shillings and pence. And uh, this is this is one of those items. However, um, it has been with the same person um, since the 1950s. Um, and the person um, who, who owned it until quite recently reported a periodic visitation of a soldier in British First World War I uniforms, yeah, dead on. Standing silently, head bowed, um, not, you know, almost as in mourning. So there goes the story. Not not a very, not a
1: very strange people in your room.
2: No, not a very dramatic story, but nonetheless, you know, this this figure wasn't just seen by um, the person that had it from uh, the 1950s. I believe it was their their, their fathers; they inherited it off him. He he apparently made it or had brought it back from France. Mm-hmm. Um, the story that was associated with it by the father of um, the person that I acquired it from mm. was that um, the particular piece of shrapnel uh, in question that the, the knife is made from, the pepper, the letter opener is made from, um, was removed from the abdomen of one of his buddies who subsequently died of um wounds now no. the shrapnel the shrapnel itself didn't kill him he he got better from that um from was the guy to... digging up
1: the shrapnel
2: <laughs> <laughs> no 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 the, the 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 apparition is just simply of a silently standing soldier head bowed um but I've got to make it clear that this piece of shrapnel, although it wounded somebody, didn't kill anybody. The person got better and returned back to, and actually they died in battle the following year um, when they were shot. So who knows? Who knows whether? Because obviously this piece of shrapnel has been in contact with somebody. It's been inside somebody, and then it was later exactly. fashioned into a knife. It was, um, you know, the story is very shrapnel. It's a piece of shrapnel. Um, How big? So, uh, overall, the whole knife is about five inches long. The blade's uh-huh. about three. It's a shrapnel. Uh, well, the blade is obviously drawn out. You know, it's been heated and then worked right. so that the blade is obviously thin like a blade. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so the original piece of shrapnel is probably about two and a half inches by an inch and a half. Um, razor sharp in itself and that thing coming at you at nearly supersonic speeds is is the reason why so many soldiers i mean more that's why they had tin hats on um, more people were you know far more soldiers were killed by shrapnel than ever were with bullets um and somebody you know soldiers did uh, make make things out of this whatever they could find be it wood metal um, you know there are there oh, yeah. are they, they fa- fashioned their cap badges into sweetheart brooches which they sent home. Um, during World War Two, they would take shards of the Perspex bulletproof wind, windshield of the aircraft and make them into into brooches, or they would engrave them um, with their sweetheart initials. Um, it It's been going on I mean you know back in the Boer War one of the one of the coins I have in my collection um, is a a shilling from eighteen ninety seven from the Boer War and when the when the Boer prisoners were were captured, they would turn whatever they had into artwork they would you know carve meat bones or they would carve the coins mm-hmm. um, into art that they could then sell and and make money the napoleonic prisoners um and the american prisoners uh captured um after the revolution uh so in the 1812 war um over here they made models out of um pieces of the bed bed you know, wood wood obtained from the bed or um animal bones sheep bones cow bones Uh, They would pull the fibres and wind them into threads um, and make warships and rig them. Um, You know, some of this artwork is incredibly intricate. So it's been going on for, you know, for the longest possible time. And it it happened in World War II. It happened in Vietnam. It happened even in the Gulf War. Um, You know, soldiers do have a lot lot of time. So as, as a lot of them did, he had this piece of metal, um, they somebody made it into a knife, he brought it back, uh, eventually his son got it, um, and the son and several members of his family and a visitor, one visitor, reported seeing this soldier, this apparition of a soldier, um, standing in the room um, in a corner where the knife was positioned. And uh, knowing my interest, they got in touch, said, you know, it's it's surplus the requirements. We don't want a ghost in the house. Do you want it to <laughs> No, I don't
1: want it. Thank you. Yeah, we yeah.
2: don't want a ghost in the house. Do you <laughs> want this? <laughs> uh, so having one other haunted knife in the house, which I, I talked about during the Cabinet Curiosities talk at Spirit Quest, mm-hmm. I thought it would be, well, I wasn't going to say no, was I? Right, so, uh, but actually, the, the thing that's fascinated me the most about this is actually the um, um, Sumerian uh, demon, mm-hmm. because you know, I mean, forget the association with the Omen movie, but uh, I didn't know very much about it because it's not an area of, of uh, expertise for me, or or even great yeah. knowledge. There's, you've got a you've I, got a demon I, book like me, don't you? I, I've I've got half uh, I've got about 5 or 6 of them but there you go. it was actually it was a good excuse to spend a couple of days over the weekend when we got back from vacation um you know learning about
1: doing a little light
2: reading huh doing a little ed- self education <laughs> because that's for me I I you know you know like you I'm uh, I I collect stuff and it's not just paranormal related stuff you know I collect coins uh, I have done for forever um but you know that goes in in peaks and troughs um right and the the thing about collecting things is whenever you get a new item it's a it's i can't just have the item and go wow i've got a for me it's well it's a new doorway opening it's a new learning experience it's a new you know even if it leads nowhere i now know more about Sumerian deities and demons than I did a week ago. i right. uh, probably no use for that for that knowledge unless you throw a question on a spirit quest uh, on a on a radio show in two years time or something. And,
1: oh, you might be on, uh, you know, Ghost Adventures, and they you,
2: know, you never like, know. I yeah, you know, I could yeah, call they have
1: demons all the time on there, so you know, I could just I could be a yeah. demonologist.
2: Yeah, um, there you go. But, you know, that's that's I think is, is, is the great joy of collecting things, you know, learning about new stuff, finding out new stuff. It, it keeps the, the the old gray matter ticking over. Mm-hmm. So, uh, totally... yeah. And occasionally, you know, items arrive that people, you know, have got a reputation and I've got to. And I've said many, many times, you know, like you, I have a number of haunted objects. Uh, unlike you, I've never had any I can attribute any events to. So there's no iguana. There's no weird photograph that I can oh. point to and go, that turned my world upside down.
1: I knew you way. had mentioned my iguana again.
2: <laughs> but, you know, here there's, there's there's dolls and knives and things from thrift stores and statues and nothing. Nothing has and nothing untoward has ever happened and years ago um i used to help a friend who had a new age um crystal heli uh, shop and they sold all of the esoteric stuff that you would expect so they had um yeah, boxes of tumble stones and big geodes and mm. crystals and and each of them had a little label attached to them, affixed to them that said, uh, oh, if you use citrine, it will bring you wealth and you should always carry an amethyst for good health and quartz oh, yeah. and taught you how to bless it under moonlight and bury oh, it yeah. and do all these weird things. Now, that the person that owned that shop was probably the one of the most um, badly organised Um nice. <laughs> financially unastute individuals i've ever clapped eyes on and yet you know they had all of this stuff surrounding them they they followed all of the rituals they carried citrine in their pocketbook. they 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 carried amethyst they blessed them under moonlight they ran them under cold you know under running water they buried them on full moons and it never never brought them anything
1: Yeah. Goes to show you.
2: But you know, people have these beliefs, and Mm -hmm. that's their belief structure and their belief system. And you see that a lot when um, when you you know you're involved in the paranormal, Mm -hmm. and it can work. You know, you don't just see it from people um, who might believe have New Age beliefs or Wicker beliefs or um, you know other alternative mindsets or belief systems you actually see it from scientists or from people who you know uh, you would reasonably expect would understand the basic concepts of science Uh, but you don't you see belief creeping in at all levels yeah or misunderstanding at all levels so yeah fascinating about humans being yeah,
1: so you'll you'll have to do as, as I, I'm sure most of you know. Steve has a new book coming out with the SPR on field equipment. I guess you're gonna your next one's gonna be on uh, how to neutralize demons. <laughs> and,
2: uh, yeah, uh, just give them to me. It, it neutralizes them really quickly. He's had- <laughs> I would be, I would be, you know, like the Warrens have got the haunted museum, um, and the, I believe Zach's you know, got. No, how
1: haunted museums
2: around Oh that yeah, yeah. It, believe me, the, the, they're growing over here as well. We have, yeah, uh, yeah the, the, they're the latest craze. Um, both sides of the pond, as yeah. you like to say. Um, I, I don't have as many exhibits. Some of my exhibits, um, you know, they've got good stories attached to them, but nothing. Mm-hmm. So I must be, you know, the perfect exorcist.
1: Well, we we talked a little bit of, a couple of weeks ago about that book I received uh, uh, from the American uh, mm-hmm. predecessor to the SBR. And uh, how they they one of the theories in it was about uh, how radiation and you said that you have like radiation, there So that maybe that's what's neutralizing all of the things. Possibly, right?
0: yeah. possibly.
1: That was your your concept. You came up with that theory. So I uh, yeah, I'll, I'll accept that.
2: That's that's fine oh, with well, me. Yeah, it's anything you know. It's anything that's different about my my collection and Zach's museum is that I also collect radioactive stuff. <laughs> um and have done since I was a small child. Um, which is why
1: you glow in the dark.
2: Which is why I glow in the dark. Never done me any harm. Um and in fact I came back from from the vacation with a third item, but it's unrelated to what we were talking about in the show. But it does happen to be a World War Two issue. Um Ooh. service watch, you know, pocket watch. Oh, uh, that's fob, cool. fob watch. Um yeah. still works, still ticks, still show keeps reasonably accurate time. Um which was nice and it's got all the you know all the military stamps all over its british issue swiss made um by a company you may have heard of called rolex oh yeah, uh, yeah. but they made tens of thousands of them both for britain america and germany they you know oh. the swiss weren't partisan in any way no no. no. Uh, they would sell you know they would sell pocket watches <laughs> to anybody um, but what was most interesting about this, of course, is um, the fact that the the hands hadn't moved for because well, nobody bothered winding it. They hadn't moved for oh, quite a long time, and it was immediately apparent the fact that the uh, the shadow of the hands was burned into the dial. Ooh, that's <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's cool. We are dealing here with, um, in fact, my the Geiger counter can can sense it. Because it's psychic Geiger counter, Yeah. Uh, it can sense the uh, the magic moonbeams um, from about uh, six feet away. That's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: But you know, uh, we we to this... be haunted. You know, that could have been when that person died. That was the exact moment, and it's been impressed by uh, no, it's
2: some it's, kind of psychic. It's the, radium, uh... it's the radium paint on the front. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure so, it is. Um... <laughs> But, you know, we have these and here is a good example of slightly unrelated to the paranormal, but but kind of okay. related at the same time uh, is 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 radiation. You know, we have this. Um, I took some of the the um, radioactive rock samples that I've got and you can dig them out the ground. They are perfectly harmless. Uh, you know, it's naturally occurring rock. Uh, people have got homes made out of them driveways you know walls these things rockeries and these things are and of course we live with a an an amount of background radiation every day uh, and have evolved with it Um, and some of these rocks um, from Cornwall England uh, I took to show the local Boy Scouts uh, Cub Scout group and uh, I was talking about you know why they glow, why they have these different properties and what that property is called and teaching them about atoms and a little bit of very basic science, and some and the kids thought it was really cool that you know they had ultraviolet little pocket lights that, um, you know, so they were writing notes to one another and shining these lights and then shining them on the rocks or finding out which rocks glowed and which didn't and why they were glowing and some weren't and some weren't. Um, and there were some complaints from the adults because really? of the rain, because radiation and radioactivity Um, now one particular parent complained and um, he said it was um, irresponsible it was dangerous Um, but his son he encouraged his son to take an interest in science and physics and chemistry so had recently bought him a small bottle of um, sodium metal in a small sealed glass bottle full of oil, I said to him, "That's a very nice thing to buy, little Johnny. Um, you know why it's uh, you know mm. why it's in an ampule under uh, of oil, don't you? Because it's a if good little thing, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, if little Johnny drops that and the oil gets out and air gets yeah. at the Drop sodium, it in the toilet and you'll see what yeah, happens. Yeah, you'll mm. you'll have a big problem on your hands. And you're worried about a radioactive rock that you can pick up off the ground." Mm. But people have these, you know, these these crazy ideas, mm. irrational f- thoughts and fears. If you understand something, and this is, you know, this is part of the fun of collecting because you get an understanding of things. You know, you can keep them in, in contact. Of course, radium uh, watch and clock dials are lethally dangerous if you if you breathe in um, the radium dust, or if you lick the brush. And in and you know, imbibe the the uh, radium. Oh okay. so. yeah. But on, the, well, on on a on a bedside alarm clock. It's safe.
1: Well, you know, it can't be any any more any less harmful than uh the uh LED ones that they have What the LED ones, the uh what are those red ones they have? Just uh, put your EMF meter next to one of those babies oh, and see yeah. how much uh, is going off.
2: Well, you know, don't stand next to a radar. Don't stand next to a, you know, high-power uh, radio antenna. Do you know the microwave
1: range was uh, invented by Raytheon? It, it was actually a radar thing. Uh, uh, it was one of the uh, scientists uh, realized that uh, his chocolate bar had kept melting every time he was working on this well, thing. Well, he, he was he, he was the one that invented the, the radar range. From no, he wasn't.
2: Yes, no, he was. wasn't. No, yes, he no, wasn't. No. Now, I'll explain that when we come back after the break. No, because yes, that, you won't. that's you that's, that's a bit like the Americans invented the computer.
1: We did, of course. Everybody it knows that. Of course. Yeah, everybody knows that. Yeah. But
2: anyway. Yeah, we got to take
1: a break. You'll listen to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with uh, Steve and Ron right here on TojiNet and Pararex Radio. We'll be right back after the... Following messages, uh, we are brought to you by Circles with Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street, Methuen, Massachusetts, the Nick Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, North Andover, Massachusetts. And we got 30 seconds, and I thought we were, like, almost on the way out, and I'm, like, sprouting thing off. But we want to thank our good friends on uh, Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. If you... Uh, they help support the show, and you can, too. Become a member of the Data Society on Patreon, and you'll get access to materials that no one else hears except for our Patreon members. So Even now, I have not heard. They're there. You're, you're a member. You can listen to them. You know <laughs> that, you silly dilly. Anyway. All right. got to go. We'll be right back after the following messages.
2: to part two of tonight's special edition of Ghost Chronicles The Next Generation and as you can obviously tell I'm not Anne Are but that's sure? Ron You that's could be
1: re- reincarnated
2: I could, but I want to deal with go um, back to what we were talking about before the break where you contentiously said
1: Oh man, I've got to go look that up I was so busy no, doing No, no,
2: no, you're fine, you're fine but you're wrong um, because
1: <laughs> I don't think so
2: because the magnetron, which is the uh, de- the device that uh, emits microwave energy, uh, was actually first um, its invention, creation, is actually goes back to 1906. <clears throat> um, but they weren't successful, and then later experiments picked up on the unsuccessful work and uh, by 1924 in germany they had um, working examples of early magnetrons um 1929 the japanese were working on one then the british joined in um what i think you're referring to is uh, the dramatic improvement that was um that was carried out by general electric
1: no what i am talking about is who invented the microwave oven? And it was ah. without a doubt Percy LeBaron Spencer, a self taught engineer who finished grammar school in South Carolina while working for Raytheon Corporation. His chocolate bar melted while working on this thing. And uh, then he came up with the idea of cooking things on the microwave and came up with this lovely invention. So he is the inventor of the thing, despite what Steve says. Okay. And well, that's according to life well, science. Well, yeah. And well. many other
2: sources. Except it's not strictly accurate, is it? Yes, it is. The American engineer Percy Spencer is generally credited with inventing the modern microwave oven after World War II using radar technology developed exactly. during the war. And he named his device the Radar Range. It was first sold exactly. in 1946. Which uh, was expensive Pat- Which was licensed. Um, it, was, it was by patent, uh, As you said, Did by you hear Pat- the there? Uh Raytheon licensed its patents for a home-use microwave mm-hmm. oven uh, in 1955. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, as you say, uh, Percy Spencer noted his chocolate bar melted, and indeed he did. However, during the war, uh, in fact, just before the war, uh, Robert Watson Watt, a British engineer and a team from the post office um, communications uh, research branch, were working on a Ministry of Defence War Department project Um to invent a death ray. Mm-hmm. No joke. They were commissioned to go away and de- develop a death ray that would shoot down enemy um bombers as they crossed the English Channel um to in order to drop bombs on this green and pleasant land. Mm-hmm. What um Tesla
1: so, was working on a death ray too?
2: Yeah, this was uh Sir Henry Tizard and his team. Um, and this ultimately directly led to the invention of radar uh, because they realized that they couldn't shoot the bloody thing down with the death ray. But by using these very high frequency radio waves, they were able to detect the presence of the enemy bombers and then send Spitfires up to shoot them down. Now, those um, those brave individuals who were working for the telecom um, and Tizard and Robert Watson Watt, mm-hmm. uh, were um, using the magnetron in their laboratory to heat their lunch, and I'm they were doing them. they were doing that in 1937. Because and they, they should have,
1: have patented them because they They
2: didn't. They didn't, um, so, they didn't. There
1: you go. It. It wasn't um, patented, it never existed.
2: But but one of in nineteen in the 19th, the, the heating effect of high-power microwave was accidentally discovered or rediscovered or patented by Percy Spencer, self-taught engineer from Howland, Maine. Mm-hmm. Uh, blah, 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 blah. However, blah, blah, blah. There's, there's a nice interview... God
1: on, bless America! Oh, excuse me, carry it's on. It's
2: all right. Here you're allowed a moment of patriotism. It's <laughs> <There's> not <nothing laughs> a moment of patriotism, providing... Uh, however um there is an interview which people can go and look at look, look up on youtube with uh, one of watson Watts' design team and they say that um one of the things that they used to do um because meals were sent over from the general canteen to this little wooden hut they were working on at the end of shubbury ness marshes and mm-hmm. uh, in this top secret um basically garden shed um <laughs> It was it was just literally a wooden Is shed. It? Yeah at the yeah, at the end of um because it was secret, of course, they had no money. Um and they used to reheat their lunches by placing the food in front of the the magnetrons. There you go. So right, they they didn't patent it though, they just thought it was
1: yeah, they it, stuck, it, 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 it's, stuck in it's a front of the microwave. This well, guy actually vetted a unit yeah, to make well,
2: it cooked it it's, it's kind of like um the same with the computer isn't it because for years right. you know i grew up believing that um it was invented by ibm um and yet had no knowledge because it was it was a a secret you know it was a government official secret what they were doing at bletchley park oh uh, yeah decrypting Decoding. the enigma yeah yeah and of course after the war everybody sorry by the way Everybody that was working on Enigma uh, at Bletchley Park kept the secret. And it wasn't mm. until the 1970s that the secret got out and people realized that Alan Turing had actually invented the computer. and was, Who using, was you know, arrested sorry? and put Who on was trial? It? Yes, he was arrested and put on trial, yeah, blah, 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 for being... Oh. F- we skip over that part, right? Yes. Well, it's not relevant because we we live in an enlightened society where people can dress as cats and dogs and
1: evidently not then.
2: Oh, absolutely not then. And in fact, he was imprisoned and and later committed suicide.
1: Yeah, I know it's uh, sad. Really, it really was. It was. I I actually saw a movie on that. Uh, I just happened to be putting something on and I was scanning through some things and I found that. Well, and, we I we have it. a we have yeah, it was good. It was a good movie.
2: We have a, a new £50 banknote that that was that came out at the start of July. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's our highest denomination banknote. Mm-hmm. Um, and it they changed the design periodically. And if you remember a few years ago, I brought you our first polymer banknote. Ah, uh, yeah, so I now,
1: think Jen has that. yeah,
2: yeah, so now we've got the whole range., uh, so we have the five, the ten, the twenty, and then most recently the fifty. Mm-hmm. And each of these, uh, the queen is on one side, naturally well, you know, of course. and we we commemorate important people in British history. Mm-hmm. and on the fifty is commemorated Alan Turing.
1: Ah oh, that's good. It really is. So, see you, you know what? you know what, Steve? I mean, to me, that's the way you celebrate the past. You don't by tearing it down. You you know, you, people like to destroy whatever was there, but you know if you something was wrong, then you you write it. You you don't wreck the past to make it like it didn't exist. You,
2: you, it, you shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. I, you should never erase the past because that's how ne- how on earth can you understand the past in context? One of the problems that you've got with because a lot of the paranormal is related to history you know oh, we, absolutely um and so you know we we study history and a lot of paranormalists are interested in history um but one of the problems that you have is, i mean they always say history is always written by the victor uh, it's or, true. The, it's true. or the survivor yeah, yeah. Uh, but now we live in an era where um i watched quite recently it's an old movie um it's what Maybe ten years more old now, Gettysburg, oh yeah,, yep. um about the American Civil War now, mm-hmm. that was only you know two or three generations ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there were people being interviewed in the in the two thousands whose grandparents and great grandparents fought at Gettysburg yep. and during the Civil War, and yet now we we read in the papers about people you know protesting about the flags and about the statues and oh, about yes, yes. and what they mean here in Britain it's similar um because we are
1: rid of uh, some of Winston Churchill stuff
2: they did and in fact the the, the, the well interestingly the um, I I I was born in, and grew up um near Liverpool Liverpool was um and always has uh Uh, had an in in its museum a large section dedicated to the slave trade because liverpool was an important component port in the slave trade
0: right
2: um and and it is it is one of the things that happened in our past and it's something that that we would hopefully never repeat right because at school, I learned about it, and I learned about the atrocities and the terrible conditions and,
1: and the and it inhumanity, shows how, how we've evolved, mm-hmm.
2: and the inhumanity of the mm-hmm. of the whole thing. But interestingly, uh, a part of the exhibition which was there originally has disappeared in the last two or three years. Really, and that that was a part that dealt with. Um, a more general view of slavery, because obviously it was focused on Liverpool's um, commercial or maritime role yeah, yeah. in, the, in yeah. the slave trade, um, and and it, it, in a responsible way, you know it. it um, but it also had a a small area that that said that Britain um, was one of the most. Um, enslaved nations of of, you know of the the modern well yeah yeah. because uh first of all the romans arrived and enslaved us actually the the, uh, royal navy uh, was created under elizabeth the first because the People who lived in the coastal towns and cities, so um, in Cornwall and Devon and here in West Wales, they wrote to her demanding protection from Barbary pirates who mm. would arrive and um, basically carry off entire villages. Impress,
1: impress them, yeah.
2: And impress them, you know, into yeah. the slave trade. The Vikings had arrived prior to that and enslaved us. Yeah. Uh, you know, it. One of the one of the to really, history, yeah, uh, and the exhibition ended by saying, looking at modern slavery and saying, and it was quite sobering um that right up and including the present day, every dominant nation uh or dominant society has enslaved the minor society or, oh, nation. Absolutely. yeah you know. Um, it happens in Yemen and Saudi Arabia. It happens in China. It happens, you know, to Hello, the press Well, you know, one of the things in the exhibit showed quite clearly that, um, you know, uh, contrary to what some or what some people think is that, you know, the white, uh, the, 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 the traders, the traders. those who who bought and sold slaves they didn't land in Africa and go out capturing them, they bought them they were being trapped and captured by their own people and then sold to slave, that's why they were called slave traders and then they they put them into the ships and they took them across the Atlantic to the Americas and then brought back um, sugar Sugar cane and products from from the Americas. It was like a triangle of trade. The ships would, you know, um, circulate around. It was trade. It was it was a horrendous and horrible trade, but it shows a great deal about the, you know, about human beings and about the terrible things that we do. Look what the Nazis did in World War Two. Look at the genocide that happened in in um, Yugoslavia only two decades ago mm-hmm. yeah. but if we erase it how can we ever learn from it but we can't selectively erase bits that we don't like because we find it distasteful um you know history if it makes you feel uncomfortable then that's a good thing because that discomfort will hopefully you know help you learn
1: it from ever happening again. It
2: from happening again The Mm -hmm. trouble is, you know, stupidity of man, the greed of man um, means it continues to happen. Mm -hmm. But if we if we erase it or selectively erase it, then we we make it more likely, I believe, uh, that it will continue to happen.
1: I mean, and you still have your heritage. You don't want to erase your heritage. I mean, I'm sure the Wales have their, the the Wales. <laughs> I, I don't. That didn't come out good, did it? What do, exactly do you call people? Welsh? There you go. Yeah, the Wales. <laughs> <There you laughs> the, the Welsh have their heroes, don't they? The Scots have their heroes,
2: right? Well, oh. we 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 live in a you know we live in a nation or. Oh, uh, like like the Americas with, you know, fifty fifty states. Britain is actually Great Britain is the oh, United Kingdom is mm-hmm. as it says, it comprises four. So it's Scotland, Wales, Ireland, um, and England. England. And England, of course. Yeah. Now that's you know, I'm English, my wife's Welsh, my children are and that's just the way it is. And we all have, you know, we all live on the same island and we share stuff. Mm-hmm. Um but increasingly and rather depressingly in the last decade you see the you know we celebrate and um, the 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 television the bbc celebrates st david's day the patron um of the welsh yeah. patron saint of the welsh and the scots uh, likewise uh, st andrew and mm-hmm. of course everybody in america will have heard of st patrick oh yes uh, and st patrick's day um but nobody really celebrates the English Saints' Days anymore. They did when I was at school, when I was small. But they not now. in recent years, um, no one. It's likewise with the flags of the Four Nations. You will often see um, the Welsh dragon. You'll see the Scottish um, saltire. Mm-hmm. But uh, you'll very, very rarely see the Cross of St. George because nowadays there are there there have been edicts from count, town councils and go local and governments that says uh, that either the union flag um, or the cross of St George should not be flown on public buildings because they could cause racial offense because they are flags oh, of because they are flags of oppression
1: There are flags of the country that was think it's the same as you know, we have the Confederate flag, and people get all uh, upset because of the Confederate flag. But that's part of their heritage. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, well, whatever. I don't. Well, you
0: really, know. I, I, it,
1: you celebrate uh, Guy Fawkes Day.
2: Well, <laughs> we do, but that's increasingly politically incorrect now as well, because course, what is. happens every year now is the um, the animal lobbyists. Oh God. All say that you know Fido and um, Fluffy the cat are nearly neurotic because of the because of the fireworks. So progressively, all of the fireworks that were noisy were you know uh, taken off sale. And oh, there you go. Um, and the the re- restrictions change year on year, and every year the complaints uh, now. Last week, as you know, I was on vacation. I was one of the things I draws me to the island, of course, is a a large military base uh, flying very fast, very noisy jets. And down here in West Wales, we have Britain's only live tank uh, or tank live um, battle tank live fire uh, range. And it's surrounded by farmland. And it's surrounded by people walking dogs and horses and cows and sheep. And it's the same up in North Wales with the RAF base. And you know what? Despite the very loud bangs of the guns on the tanks or the the scream of the jet as they go over, these animals, I mean, they don't even look up. The only reason that Fido and Fluffy the cat are neurotic is because their owners are neurotic.
1: Hmm. Well... We should get off the uh, political end right now, and I I understand that, of course, we we talked a little bit er earlier on the uh, international show, but you have a new book out uh, for the SVR, and uh, it is, what is it, Steve, the the proper title?
2: It's called Using Equipment (laughs) Guidance Notes for Investigators.
1: You never did short titles, did you? Well, ghostology. Well, except you added always a big line of underneath it. I had to. Yeah, explanations like whatever. So yeah, so this is uh, this is the company one for the guidance notes, right?
2: Yeah, the guidance notes came out. They were published by the SPR in 2018. They'd originally been published 50 years ago, but they were a little bit out of date. And so they asked me to update them. And when we were doing the launch for those book for the um, guidance notes, which are general notes, you know, it's five or six chapters of um, good practice that will help you you know, get the most from your investigations. And it included a chapter, a short chapter on using equipment. Um, but when we were launching the book at the different webinars or or paracons, uh, there was an awful lot of questions about the equipment. You know, what to buy, how to use it, whether that's better than that, or where to put stuff. And so, in response, um, the SPR suggested that I write a book of similar notes that deal specifically with getting the very best of the equipment. And that should have come out last year. Lockdown got in the way. Um, It's now out. It's now available, or it will be available from the first of August, second of August. Sorry. Where? It's available on Amazon from the second of August. Uh, You can get it in two versions. You can get the Kindle version, or you can get the um, printed version. If you want both copies, if you want the original 2018 and the accompanying, doesn't replace it at all. It it enhances. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you want the original. 2018 general guidance notes and the equipment guidance notes um if you go on to amazon you can if you go on to uh, the spr website www.spr.ac.uk mm-hmm. um, you can order them even if you're in america or anywhere in the world at a discounted really? bundle rate um so really instead cool. of paying uh, full price you get the two of them at a reduced rate mhm
1: that's so. that's a good deal.
2: Well, every little helps, and of course yeah, the uh, and
1: and and the key is it, it, these are a help. I mean, it's it's not. Well, I hope so. It's not, yeah, it's not there. They're not there to tell you what to do, but to give no. you an understanding of procedure and equipment, basically. Well, and how to use it. Right?
2: Yeah, they're they're absolutely not. Neither of them are finger wagging. You must do because we say so. Because
1: with the SPR.
2: Because we're the SPR. No, they're absolutely not. And um, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be involved in a project like that. Um, These are things that, you know, drawing on the 150 years experience of the SPR and um, things that will make life easier for the investigator and hopefully uh, help them produce more challenging results. That they can then go and uh, browbeat the academics and the skeptics with. Ah, there you go.
1: So the uh, how do these guidance notes uh, vary from uh, ghostology, which is another book you have written uh, on on ghost uh, on paranormal investigating?
2: Well, I, you know, unsurprisingly, the, the, there are some similarities because you know mm-hmm. in some areas they deal with the same topic, and there is it. There can only be you know one set of advisory you know that there is only one international standard for you know time and you know if you mention it in one book and you mention it in another book you're going to mention it in a similar way right Uh, so some of the fixed things like that but ghostology is is um i would say it's it's more personal um it introduces some ideas from my own experiences um it expands in areas it isn't in some areas relating to the equipment, for example, it isn't quite as precise or, or it isn't as in depth as the equipment notes. Because that wasn't the intention of ghostology. Ghostology is a discussion. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a, a sort of broad romp through um the art of the ghost hunter. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, there will be similarities. And that's still available too, right? That well, the Brangy revised edition, which was oh, I've also... about of yeah. Also published this year, um, which is 20 pages longer than the original. Oh, more uh, more pages. More now uh, same price, more pages. No more. Um, oh. oh yeah, bring you bring you word search, of course. Um, yeah. In fact, I can honestly say that um, not not one single um, chapter has not been extensively revised. Now, of course, a lot of it is similar. Right, but. You know, generally there have been improvements, reworkings and huge updates. I mean, you know, the original of the book was written when, you know, the iPhone 5 was was in vogue and cameras, you know, had six or eight megapixels. You know, we're in 20, you know, we're in the era now of the 40 megapixel camera in the iPhone 12. Um, And it also has a very interesting uh, chapter which talks about ghost hunting with a Tesla car.
1: Ooh, how can you beat
2: that? well how can you even conceive of it? Uh, I think that chapter's called Cat Toys <laughs> Cat Toys and Tesla Cars.
1: That's a good
2: good name, anyways.
1: Alright, so we've gotta wrap up the show. Still got uh, the up in it though. You must have read my mind. (laughs) I was going to bring that up, and I said, "I'll take the high road. I won't mention it again."
2: (laughs) But never, Uh, you, you you never have let me down. So um, that (laughs) was—I changed several of the pictures, and I had the opportunity to change that one just to annoy you. I thought you would have. After that, I'm going to leave it in. (laughs) (laughs) You are still Uh, the only person ever to have mentioned that photograph.
1: Yeah, well, I'm the only one In enough uh anyways uh <laughs> anyway steve thanks for joining me today and anne's, anne's out there uh drinking somewhere so uh god bless that uh, she'll be back in a couple of weeks so uh anyway uh is it two weeks i don't know i can't
2: I'm yeah so it's week, week one of her vacation
1: Oh uh, yeah two weeks so she'll be back then and uh anyways thanks for joining us uh if you didn't catch ghost chronicles International, you should uh it's a great show and we want to thank uh, all our listeners we want to thank uh our good friends on ghost chronicles radio on patreon who support us and uh we want to thank
2: thank and you can thank me for staying up till 1 a.m in the morning by (laughs) buying by buying a copy of one of the books
1: there you go. Thanks, thanks, Steve, by buying a copy of one of his books, because yeah. he's shameless, and he's giving shameless plugs now. All right, Steve, thanks a lot, and you uh, have a good night, my friend. Likewise. All right. Good night, and God bless, everyone.
2: Good night.